Uh, so, so we're going to talk about uh, fatherhood and dadhood and just the difference between it. If you, uh, as we were growing up, that you will remember that we have seen different fathers, different dads uh, that have kind of spoke into uh, society. So, so if you think of uh, Ozzy and Harriet, uh, if you think of Cliff Huxtable, okay, so Cliff Huxtable was, was kind of that that dad figure that when I was growing up that we watched on TV. Um, and then um, obviously Homer Simpson, you know, that was kind of the opposite of Cliff Huxtable, you know. And, and then uh, if, if you watch This Is Us, okay, um, which is a current show right now. Let's, let's just be honest. Anybody in here watch This Is Us? Yeah. So I'm just telling you, like, it gets you right in the feels. I mean, every single show that at the end of it that I'm like, why are my eyes leaking? You know, I mean, it's this is so rough, and and I, you know, there's only what two more episodes left, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but they're both going to be pretty emotional. So, uh, but the dad there is Jack Pearson, and uh, and he's like that. He's that dad now. In all honesty, if you were to ask somebody who is that dad figure that's on TV. Right now, I mean, he's the—he's that person, and uh, and so so you know the difference between fatherhood and, and dadhood. Fatherhood is is really uh, there comes a point in in a guy's life that he can become a father, and um, without much effort, uh, that you could become a father. Um, it doesn't mean that that you are investing anything. That's really more of a biological term. But to become a dad is something much different, and it's a is a lifetime investment in it. Uh, so I don't really care what age that you are or where, what age your kids are or what age your grandkids are because you will never stop being a dad. Once you're a dad, you'll always be a dad, and, and you'll always be working at that. Uh, there are no perfect dads. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I know all the answers because I don't, and, and if I did, my wife could come up here and tell you that I didn't, you know, she, you could believe her. Um, that, uh, that I'll just tell you this, that for, for vacation, Christmas vacation, my family, that we all go away together. And uh, I mean, like my entire family. My mom picks wherever we're going to go, and we just go there. And uh, if we don't like the place, that's fine. The whole thing is, is that we just want to be together. And, and so I asked my mom this year before we went on Christmas vacation, I said, Mom, what do you want to do? Like, what, what, do you, what do you want to get out of this vacation? You know, because I'm the prober person. I'm, I'm the question asker, you know, and I was like, what do you want to do on vacation? She said, I just want the whole family to be together. I just want us to be able to hang out, and, uh, and which was good, because we went to Branson, Missouri, and so for my kids, there's, there's either a lot of stuff to do, or there's nothing to do, you know, I mean, we, we lower the age demographic in Branson by like three decades at least, and, and it's, uh, um, and it was wicked cold, too, so, so we're there. Uh, we all go there, my brother and his wife and uh, their baby that they came up from Tennessee, and, and my sister came up with my parents, and, and so we, we all get there, and within 24 hours, my mom is in the hospital, okay? And so she's in, she's in ICU, and, and she has pneumonia, and her, her heart's failing, and, and so the first night, I spend in the hospital with her because uh, I slept in one of these type of chairs, you know, and, and I really figured that I was the best person equipped to sleep in a chair like this during the night and just watch Netflix all night long. So, <clears throat> so I did that, and, and so the next morning my dad came in and he took my place and, and I went, went back to the condo and, and hung out with the kids and we went and did some stuff. And, uh, because really our whole goal was that uh, if you go on vacation, you go shopping um, at places that you also have here. Okay, so we were going to go to an outlet mall. We were going to go to Target. Uh, we went to like a Palais Royal. And I was like, what in the world? Why are we shopping? 
the car is already full, you know, but, uh, but we had gone shopping and, and we, we did all those things. But um, when my dad came to take my place, that, uh, that I went down to the car and I forgot something, so I came back up. And, and as was, I was walking back into the ICU, I was walking down this long hallway, and her room was right at the end, and I could see right into it. And uh, hospitals are really on prison time, so their meals are at weird times. Okay, so my dad is feeding her, like, brunch, I guess is what it is, but without the mimosa. And so, so he's cutting up this food, and he's feeding it to her. And for me, as his son, watching this, I've never seen my dad do this before. I've never seen my mom need that but I've never seen my dad be that person, that provider like that. And, and for me, it spoke volumes because my dad is still my dad. And he's still teaching me lessons because his actions speak louder than his words to me. So uh, um, I also interview all the interns that the Second Kids has across our campuses uh, for the summer. And I always tell them the same thing after I'm done interviewing them and if I offer them a job. I say, don't answer me right now. I want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. I want you to call your folks. I want you to see what, what they think. Uh, I said, not that they're going to answer it for you, but I just want you to bounce it off of them. I said, I'm 42 years old, and I still go, and I still bounce ideas off of my parents. And, and not because my, my mom or my dad are going to tell me what I need to do or not do, but they just have a different perspective. They've been there. They, they know. They have that wisdom. And there's times that they say, hey, man, we're super excited for you. There's other times that they're like, maybe you want to do this. And it's something that I never knew and I would have never known if I hadn't have gone and asked. So um, <clears throat> we all have different relationships with our, with our dads. Uh, we, uh, we pick up habits from our, from our parents, um, especially from our dads. I think that um, for me, my, my dad is, they're probably six cats short of being like those hoarders that you see on TV, okay? And uh, so uh, there, are, there are just coffee cans in the garage full of bent nails and screws. And I mean, if it's ever come out, it goes into the can. And I'm always like, what are we gonna use these rusty nails for? Well, then I go into my garage and I have all these Tupperware containers just full of nails and screws and all those extra pieces that you get from building like bookshelves. You're like, what am I gonna do with these extra 60 little nails that they gave me? Just throw it right in there. What am I gonna do with these Allen wrenches from every single Ikea piece of furniture that we've bought? I'll just throw it right in there. And I don't know what I'll ever use it for, but I keep it because my dad did. And when they pass away, we'll probably have to burn that house down because it's just full of bent nails and rusty screws, you know? Um, I want to just tell you just a couple things. Uh, let's see. So um, you, obviously, we, you know the difference between the father. You, the, the dad is, is, is a little bit different um, in that the dad is, is the the lifetime investment that you do into your kids. So, so we, I have a couple of things that I want to talk to you about, just about, just about being a dad. Uh, but before we do, uh, um, I want to let you know that most children suffer from too much mom and too little dad, which moms are great. I mean, moms work hard all the time. And I'm sure that, that there are times where you come home and your wife is like, I'm going to need you to take these kids uh, if you expect them to keep living, all right? And so your job is just to, to keep them alive or, or whatever it is, you know, and, and let your wife just have that moment. Um, but but there, it, is, it is too often that we leave that raising. We let somebody else fill that void. And uh, so what I want to encourage you today is that instead of letting somebody else fill that void, that you do that. 
that you do the role that God's placed you in, okay? Um, I want to just let you know that this is my family here. My son hates this picture because we took it about a year and a half ago, okay? And so he is, uh, he is 15 now, and he's about 10 inches taller than that. So he's like, Dad, why can we not take another family picture? Only time he's ever asked to take a family picture, okay? But he's like, I just want to like, I look so short in that. Uh, and I was like, well, son, you, you were short in that picture, but now you're, you're much taller, you know? And, and he's like, I know, so let's, let's go ahead and, I mean, could we get dressed up and go? Or maybe you could stop using that picture, you know? And I was like, oh, you got to talk to your mom about that. But uh, we have a 16-year-old about to turn 17 in just a couple of days. We have a 15-year-old boy, and then we have a 12-teen-year-old girl. And uh, um, my, my parents are, are super sweet, and, and uh, my mom is, and, and uh, one day I texted her when our oldest had just become a teenager, and, and I said, hey, I just want to let you know uh, how much I appreciate you and dad, and I appreciate you not killing me when I was a teenager, um, and I'm pretty sure that I've taken at least a decade off of your life, and my mom being super sweet, she, she texted me back, and she's like, I don't know, what are you talking about? And I said, oh, well, we have a teenager in our house now, and it's, uh, I mean, it's, we're in for the long haul because we've got years of this. And uh, I said, so I, I just appreciate you and dad and, and you guys just being patient. My mom is, is always the person that would reply back like, you're the gift from God, you know, or you're such a blessing or a joy to be around. But instead, she texted me back at least a decade. You took at least a decade, you know. So, uh, I mean, she was, she was being honest. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, um, the thing about dads is that there's certain things that we do, and I'm pretty sure that we probably all do this, that, uh, um, that we tell, let's see, um, we tell dad jokes. Okay, so um, dad jokes would be more of along the lines of, where your kids would respond to you, where they roll their eyes and they're like, oh my gosh, really? Oh my gosh, you know. But it, it's, it's really good if you can, if you can get them, you know. Uh, so, so anytime we drive by a cemetery, uh, I wake people up, like, because usually they're sleeping, and I wake them up. I'm like, hey, 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 guys, guys, guess what? People are dying to get in there. And they're like, oh my gosh, Dad, oh, sleeping, you know. Uh, this is what I did last night. Okay, I went home. Only my youngest fell for it, okay? Um, but you walk into the house, and you say, do you smell that? And they're like, what? I was like, smells like up dog. And they're like, what's up dog? I'm like, I don't know. What's up with you, dog? And they're like, oh, my gosh, Dad. Oh. The great thing was, was that my youngest went and tried that on her friend and her friend's mom today at supper and got him. I mean, there's... I don't know if I've ever been prouder in my life, you know. Uh, it was so great. So, so I, I think that all of us do dad jokes that, I, I mean, I think that we find them funny, probably, you know. Um, but nobody else does. Nobody thinks that we're as funny as we think that we are. Um, Mark this morning said that uh, he was introducing me, and he said he's one of the funniest guys that you ever meet. And I'm sure that if my wife was in here, she would just be like, "Listen, I've heard all the jokes. I've heard them all. I don't, I don't think so." Mm-mm. So, um, so let's get started here. If you have your Bibles, turn to First Thessalonians two, uh, and we'll start in verse eight here. Um, 
And I want to give you just a little bit of history about where we're going to be starting. Okay, so, um, so this is uh, the Apostle Paul's. This is his second mission journey. And, and so he has gone uh, and he has landed in Thessalonica. Um, he has spent about six weeks here with this young church. And what it, when he leaves, that this church, this young church, comes under huge persecution. And, and so Paul does two things for them. One, he sends them Timothy, and then the second is he writes this book. He writes this book for them. And this book, uh, 1 Thessalonians, he writes it uh, um, really as a father would to his, to his child. Um, and, and if there's ever a chance for you to write a letter to your children, I would encourage you to do that. One of the things that we do in parent-child commitment, and you see this happen at times in, in church, we do it uh, quarterly or so, that um, parents will come and they will line up down front, and they'll be holding their children, they'll present them before the church, and, and they'll take vows. The church will stand and take vows. Uh, there's also a class that those parents take. And so the Wednesday before that they take this class, this parent-child commitment class, and one of the things we do in there is we just talk about just how they're going to raise their kids, but we also have them write their child a letter and say, hey, these are the goals that I have for you. These are the, my prayers for you. This is what I'm thinking about when, I, when I'm praying for you as a baby. And, and so if it's their first child, the, that, uh, they'll stick it into their baby book. But if it's their third child, nobody knows if they even have a baby book for that, that kid. You know, um, We have three kids, and fortunately, our youngest daughter looked like our oldest daughter did as a baby, and I don't think we ever had baby pictures. She'd always be like, is that me? And I'd be like, maybe, probably, maybe not. Who knows? You know, it's all the same. Uh, so so this, is, this is what's happening um, here. And so when Paul's writing this, he's writing it um, as he thinks that a father would write to his children. Okay? So... <clears throat> So this is what we'll look at today is, is the difference between fatherhood um, and, and becoming uh, the dad that God desires for you to be. Um, there's five things that we're going to talk about. Uh, let's look at this first part of this verse here um, of 1 Thessalonians. It says, having so fond an affection for you. And, and this would be that dads, uh, a dad is affectionate. Um, and this would be in many different aspects, but one of them would be physical, uh, and, and it's real, I think that it's easier to be affectionate with your kids when they're young. And, and it's because uh, if you think about it, if you think about when the baby's first born, I mean, that's, that's like your job is to hold this baby. Now, you may be looking at this picture. I want to remind you, this is not me, okay? This is, we didn't have cameras when my kids were born, so, so that's not what I look like. I, I look like, remember, like that. So that's, that's not me. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> but when you're in the hospital and, and you're gowned up and you get to hold your baby for the very first time um, is is for some dads very emotional. Um, for, for me, for our oldest, uh, I mean, I hadn't cried in years. But to, to be able to do that, I mean, you just think, this is so crazy. Uh, from a very logical point of view, which is kind of how my mind operates, I'm like, this baby was just inside that person. You know, I was like, this is crazy. Um, and my wife was not as impressed with that, the scientific side of it. She was, she was not. Um, but, but, you know, you're getting to hold your baby. It kind of reminds me of the time when you find out that you're pregnant, you know, and obviously people quickly remind you, you are not pregnant. Okay. Uh, but that, but I remember with our oldest, um, so I'm a very unemotional person. 
not, not if, I'm not affectionate. I'm not physical. I'm not a hugger. Um, I work with all women. And so if one of them is crying, this is what happens, okay, is I'll give them what I call the three pats. So I'll pat them on their shoulder three times, and uh, then I'll come over here, and I'll say, hey, that person's crying. I need you to go. I don't know what's... Um, I'm leaving. Okay, you know, so so they so so somebody else helps me out there. But it, but it, what happens though is that um, when when I found out about my oldest that I came home from work and it's about seven o'clock and I walk in the house and my wife is is kind of she's acting a little bit weird and I'm I'm like hey what's up you know and I'm standing there I just walked in and, and she's a little a little antsy and she's like I got you a gift. I was like, okay. So she hands me these two gifts, and one is a bag of jelly beans, all right, and one is a tie. And so I'm thinking, I don't, is there symbolism here? Is there something? And so I'm like, oh. And my spiritual gift is not receiving gifts, okay? So, like, um, if somebody gives me gifts, I don't really know how to respond. So I'm like, oh, good, thanks. Um, So I was like, oh, thanks. And then she handed me, you know, the little pregnancy stick, which it would really help if the pregnancy stick said, you're pregnant. But instead, it gives you two lines, and I don't, I have, I've never read the box, so I don't know what that means. So I, I, I'm like, oh. And in the back of my mind, I'm really thinking, did you pee on this? Is that what I'm holding? You know. So I'm, I'm like, uh, what, are, what does this mean? She's like, we're pregnant, and I was like, oh, good. What's for supper? Um, and and we were also three months pregnant at that time, so we missed like the whole first trimester. We were it was the shortest pregnancy I've ever seen. It was it was really crazy. Uh, so so I'm not the most emotional person. I'm not the most affectionate person. But but when your kids are little, it's a little bit easier to be affectionate with them because they want you to pick them up. They want you to carry them around. They, it's easy to play with them. Um, what I found now is that as my kids have gotten older, that they don't necessarily want me to wrestle with them. They they don't necessarily want want that. But there are times when I'm talking to my son, and I'll put my hand on his shoulder just to talk to him. He's not in trouble, but just to talk to him, just to remind him that there's that physical connection between us that I could choke the life out of. No, I don't. Uh, um, but, the, but just that there's that connection between us. Um, with my girls, that my oldest will still come down, and before she goes to bed, that, that she will come down, and she will say goodnight to us. She'll give us kisses, and, and she will say, I love you, and go to bed. Our youngest will do that. She'll climb in bed and, and really try to procrastinate going to bed for as long as possible, but, but she's very huggy, uh, very kissy, so like even I drop her off at school every morning, and she, uh, she still gives me a kiss, still tells me that she loves me. Um, there's times when I drop my son off, and he does not, but I will always tell him that I love him. I'll always tell him, even if he doesn't tell me, I want him to know that, uh, that I love him, okay? There's times where on accident, he'll respond, and, and that, that's, that's really the best, because I'll be like, have a great day. I love you. And he would get out of the car and be like, I love you too. <clears throat> Man, I got him, you know. Uh, but the important thing is, is that I'm instilling in him that as his dad, that I love him. And I want him to know that. And there's, I don't care how old he is. I don't care how he behaves. I don't care about any of those things. I'm always going to love him. I'm always going to be his dad. He's always going to be my son. It's the same thing with the girls. Okay, so, uh, so here's the thing about uh, it's not just physical, but it's also words as well. Um, and, and so your words are going to uh, show them affection. It, it's telling them that you love them. Tell them that you're proud of them. Tell them that you care. Uh, and it's not just with your kids, but it's also with your wife as well. Because we are teaching our kids 
the husband that they should be looking for, the type of dad that they're looking for. We're teaching them what they should be looking for, all right? Uh, let's see. Um, and then the opposite of love is not hate, but is apathy. It, it, it's not a thing of, of where if I don't show my kids love that I hate them, but is that I've taken a position of, meh. And our kids, that they pick up on that. And so what we need to do is, is I, I want to challenge you uh, um, to be affectionate. Um, I'll tell you that my dad is not an affectionate person. And, and so he did not know how to respond to my kids when he became a grandparent. And, and there came a point where my kids would run up to him and they would want him to pick them up. And he didn't, at first he didn't know what that meant. He thought, is there something wrong with their arms? You know, is there, what is it? And so then he, uh, my kids, when they were young, helped my dad understand how to be affectionate. When my dad grew up, he grew up in a German home, and, and there was no affection, so, so this was a weird thing for him, but now it's, it's very normal for him. Uh, for my dad and I, for our relationship, we were not affectionate uh, verbally or physically um, until after my kids were born, and then when I would call my dad at the end, I would say, I love you, even if he didn't say it back, because it was weird for him, but now he can say that. He can say that to me when he calls me or when we're talking or when we see each other, we're having dinner or whatever. He, he, it's just a very casual, all right, hey, great to see you. I love you. Um, there's still that weird, like, do you shake your dad's hand? My dad is a handshaker. So there's times where I'll go in for a hug and he'll go in for a handshake and I'll just end up poking him in the belly, you know, kind of thing and bringing him in. But it, it's, it, But that's what I mean by it's never too late. My dad will always be my dad. You will always be a dad, and it doesn't matter how old that you are, how old your kids are, that you will be able to be uh, affectionate with them no matter when you start, okay? Um, there's There's a little line there for you for dad goals, and it's just, hey, if there's something there that you think, hey, I should probably... That's something that I, I'd like to work on. That's one of the goals that I have for myself. Uh, that that's where I would just just write that that in there. Uh, let's see. Um, so number two is that we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. Um, let me underline just a couple words there. Impart, but also our own lives. Okay, so, so here I want you to understand that one of the things that dads need to be is that dads are transparent. A dad is transparent. Transparent. Um, originally, when I first started preparing this lesson, I really thought about how, hey, maybe the dad just needs to be like, like a window. He needs to be translucent. He needs to, uh, and it was a little bit tough for me to tie all of that together. So really what I, what I realized was that, uh, that in our life, as our kids grow up, that uh, the lessons that they're going to learn, um, that they're caught, not taught. So what I mean by that is if you've ever lectured your kids, okay, that uh, no matter how old they are, if you start lecturing them, there's a time when they're kind of paying attention, and then there comes a point where their eyes glaze over. And at our house, once people's eyes glaze over, I go an extra five minutes, okay, just because at that point I can say whatever I want, and they're not really listening anyways. You know, but if you think when you were growing up that your, your dad would be lecturing you, and you'd be like, man, is it still raining outside? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know. Um, it, and so the thing is, is that no matter what we tell our kids, they're going to see what we're doing more so. 
Meaning this, you probably learned how to drive from your dad, not from your dad putting you behind the wheel, but from you watching how he drives, okay? Um, we, we laugh because my brother drives like my dad does. They both like to honk the horn. They're very aggressive drivers, everything like that. Uh, I, am, I rarely ever honk the horn. Um, I'm, I like to commentary like how people's driving, you know, their skills are and things like that. But I'm, I like to think I'm pretty calm in the car. I don't really have road rage or anything like that. Um, th that's usually where I say that there's the difference because I'm adopted and uh, the nature nurture kind of thing. And probably because we didn't have cars in South Korea that I don't know if that's true. <clears throat> um, but my brother has actually broken a horn, uh, you know, uh, honking. Uh, and so, uh, I'm pretty impressed with that. Uh, cause I don't even know how you do that. Um, but we both, my dad did not teach either one of us how to drive. Never put us behind the wheel, never told us this is the brake, this, anything like that. But we learned how to drive from him. We knew how to either drive or how not to drive. And it's the same thing for you, that your kids are watching you, and they're going to see how to act in the car or how not to act. They're going to see what to watch on TV or what not to watch on TV. They're going to see how you talk to your wife or how you don't talk to your wife. You're going to, they're going to learn all of these lessons from you, not because you are trying to show them, but because you are going to show them. Your life will tell them that story, uh, whether you want them to or, or not. It's, it's because our lives are transparent and our kids pick up on that. Okay? Um, so I, I also want to just say apologize when you're wrong. And this is, I think, a big thing for kids is that when you, um, if we're wrong as, as dads, and, may, you know, because uh, I like to tell my kids, listen, I've been wrong before once, and uh, um, I mean, this is the second time, so mark it down, put in your time hop, you know, that, that I want them to understand that, that if I'm wrong, I'm going to come apologize because if they're wrong, I make them apologize. And why would I be above that? It's teaching them that, hey, I'm not perfect, and if I wrong you, then I'll come make it right. They'll remember if we don't make it right with them. And uh, I'm, I'm, I guarantee you that my 15-year-old son reminds me of any time that I haven't made something right with him. All right, e even the slightest, slightest offense, uh, we, we remember that. Okay, um, so, so if you have a dad goal there, just write that down. This, the, this third part here. Uh, for you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day, so not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Now, here's the thing is that there's a, there's a, um, a dad is unselfish, uh, and when I say unselfish, um, there are, in unselfishness, there are two extremes, okay? So the first, there are two, sorry, there are two extremes. The first extreme would be lazy, okay? So, so there are people, um, if you think of of in the office that somebody who is lazy, you immediately picture them in your head. You know exactly who they are. They know the bare minimum that they need to do to get by, and then they do just a little bit less. You know, they try to, to dump off as much stuff onto other people. They, they're immediately, uh, you don't even know how they're getting through life. <clears throat> the other extreme is probably what a lot of us struggle with, and that is, <clears throat> that is a workaholic. And a workaholic is just like any kind of a holic. They will always struggle with it. My dad is a workaholic. What my dad does for fun is he works, okay? I'm a workaholic. There, so uh, at the beginning of the year, I always take my staff and we write down our New Year's resolutions, then we put them in envelopes, and then we open them up a year later just to see how we've done. Uh, the two, two, two of the goals that I had this past year, one was to use all my vacation days, 
I've never used all my vacation days because I felt like people that use all their vacation days, they're the lazy ones, you know? And, uh, and so if I have vacation days at the end, that shows people that I'm a hard worker, you know? Uh, so one of my goals this year was to use all my vacation days because I felt that, that my family and my kids, that they deserve that time, and, and I should just go and use those days and, and spend them with them. And uh, I, I did pretty good. I think I came within a half day, so I was, I was actually pretty proud of myself. Uh, the second one was that I wouldn't lose track of time. If you've ever been in the office and at five o'clock when everybody leaves, you just think, I'm just going to work on this one last thing and then at 7.30, you get that text message or something, you know, and it's like, it's not when are you coming home, it's the are you ever going to come home kind of thing. And then you have to decide, should I? I mean, I'm not really sure. Is it safe? Um, and, and so I would always lose track of time, and that was going to be my goal, was that I didn't want to lose track of time because I was cheating my kids, I was cheating my wife of me going and, and being at home with them, all right? All those things that are in the office they can wait. They can wait, all right? Um, or you could do like I do and just take them home and work on them after my kids go to bed, all right? And while we're watching, this is us. Um, so, so let me talk just real quick about quality time uh, because that's kind of a hot word that we like to use is, is like, listen, this is what your kids need. Your kids need quality time. And let me just tell you that quality time, the idea of is it a lie? It's a lie. If you think... If your kid would like to spend 30 minutes with you of quality time a week versus just 30 minutes of just hanging out with you a day, the kids, for kids, I mean, time, time is just time to them. They, uh, even if you say, I want you to understand that these next 45 minutes, this is going to be quality time. All right? This is what we're doing. It's going to be quality time. So, so this needs to go in the bank. This is, this is some good time for us. For kids, it's time is just time. That's it. My son, even at 15, my daughter at seven, 16, almost 17, uh, my 12-year-old, that the, they, don't, they don't see if I go and throw the football around with them or, or play games with them or watch Netflix with them or, or whatever. They don't see it as time versus quality time. They just see it as me hanging out with them. And so I don't want us to ever fall into the idea that quality time is what we're looking for because that's not what our kids are looking for. Okay, they're just looking for, they're just looking for time. Uh, <clears throat> my, my kids, I try to never go someplace by myself. So if, um, if I got to run to Target or Home Depot or Lowe's or Best Buy or, or whatever it is, I'll take at least one of them with me, even if they don't want to go. Um, and, and just because usually if we're out, that they know that we're probably going to get a snack. All right, because, uh, man, I'm a sucker for a snack, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, let's just get a snack. Can I get a number four? You know, I mean, that's, that's my idea of a snack. I might eat it over a period of time, so that's why it would be considered a snack, you know. Uh, um, but uh, but I'll, we'll go where, wherever. We'll go hang out together and, and uh, walk through Best Buy. I'm not, I'm not buying anything there. I'm just getting out. I like to go look and see what Best Buy has that they didn't have online, that they might have in the store, just to, I just want to see stuff. And they, they'll just come and hang out with me. You know, we'll, we'll go to the mall, and I can't tell you how many hours I've spent in Claire's. Uh, I don't even know what they sell in there, really. I mean, it just seems like contraband, you know, that, but 
we go there because that's where they want to go. That's what they want to look at. Uh, um, so, so quality time is, is not the thing. It's just time. Just, just spend time with your kids, okay? Uh, uh, let's see. That, um, here's, uh, here's the fourth thing. We proclaim to you the gospel of God. Let's see if I have that. Yeah. Um, you are witness, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers. Um, this is, uh, there's a couple words. We proclaimed versus we behaved. So uh, here it's that for us, a dad is authentic, okay? A dad is authentic, meaning that uh, our words speak louder than, our actions speak louder than words, okay? Uh, um, when, uh, when I first started thinking about this, that uh, I, I thought that, you know, that, that dads, for, for the most part, what we need to be is we need to be the real deal. That whatever we're saying, that's, that's also what we're doing, um, my dad is is like a meat and potatoes kind of guy, and and he, I mean he's just that it's just how it is. He, he'll always tell you exactly how it is. Um, there is no um, there's no <laughs> there's no grace or mercy with how he says it. He'll just tell you exactly how it is, and you just need to be prepared for that. It, maybe some people call it blunt. You know, my dad just calls it being honest. He's like, "Why would I lie to you? Why would I?" You asked me, why would I lie to you? And I was like, Dad, I, I didn't ask you. You were just sharing with me. He was like, right, but I felt you needed to know. And I was like, okay, all right, okay. Uh, um, so, so here's the thing about being the real deal is, is that we have to think about who the influences are on our children, okay? Um, probably when we were growing up, people would have answered that teachers were the influence on our children, all right? I would disagree with that today that I think that teachers do influence our kids, but not to the degree that they used to. Uh, and, and probably a, a decade or so ago that we would have said that TV is the influence on our children. But for most of us, our kids do not watch live TV. Uh, our kids stream Netflix, that they, are, uh, they can go and they can find whatever show that they're into and they want to watch. Uh, they can DVR it. They... They don't even understand why someone would watch live TV because they're trying to skip through these commercials and they're like, what is this? What is this horrible world that we're living in, you know? Uh, and and so, so it's not even necessarily TV, but today it's, it's probably celebrities. Celebrities have a, have a huge influence on them to a degree, but it's really, it's really social media today. Uh, that all my kids have social media. Um, uh, none of them are really on Facebook because Facebook are really for for old people, all right? Old people are on Facebook. They're on Instagram, Twitter. Um, my kids want to be on Snapchat, but the rule that we have for Snapchat, this is the rule we have for Snapchat. This is a free one right here. <clears throat> Our daughter wanted to get Snapchat. We said, okay, um, this is the rule. There's two rules. One is that we have to be Snap buddies with you. That's not what they call it. And, uh, and then we said, and you can only Snapchat girls. And our daughter said, I don't want it. She said, good. All right? So then about a month later, she came back and she said, you know what? I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll only Snapchat girls. And we said, okay. I said, except for me. Okay? I'll Snapchat you every day, like when you're at school with whatever funny cat ears, whatever, you know. Um, and that lasted about a month. And, uh, and then that rule got broken. And so we deleted Snapchat. We said, hey, this, is, this is why we don't do this. And, and so uh, it was all very innocent stuff, but we were like, uh, she said, Dad, you know this boy. And I was like, that's right, I do. And, uh, and he goes to church here. And 
I said, um, any, any boy that dates my daughter, um, most of them have gone here, and it sounds like there's a lot, but they, they will come up to me and they'll be like, hey, Pastor Eric, and I'll be like, let me stop you right there. My name is Mr. Albert or Sir. I am not Pastor Eric to you. He said, because if I have to take your life, I'm not your pastor. Okay. <clears throat> and they're like, oh, oh, yes, sir. Okay. You know, and they think I'm joking, but I'm not. All right. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not at all. <clears throat> So, so he, this, is, this is really the thing for our kids is that social media has the biggest influence on our kids. And what I mean by that is, is that if you watch, uh, and, and we may be guilty of this or our spouses may be guilty of this as well, when we post a picture, when you post a picture on Instagram, the thing that we go back and check is not to see the quality of the picture. We go back to see the likes. I want to see the likes. Because the more likes that I get, the more that I know that people like me. Okay, and, and that they approve of whatever is happening, or they think whatever I'm doing is awesome or funny or cool, or they wish that they were me and they were where I was. Uh, very few people post sad pictures because that's not the life that they want to portray. They want to post the fun, awesome stuff that you get to do, and that's where you want the likes of this this life that you're portraying. And and for our kids, uh, that if if the picture is not getting the likes that they want, they'll take that picture down. We don't get to do that in life, but, but that's what they do is that and they'll be like, yeah, that, that picture only got 50 likes. I'm going to take that thing down. I'll be like, I don't even know if I know 50 people, you know? Uh, so, so for our kids, social media is, is probably the biggest influence on them, uh, um, and that's not going to change. There's nothing that, I mean, you could take it away from them and everything like that, but there's going to come a day where they will, they will have that, whether in your house or out of your house. And, and so what we have done is that, that we've set it up so that anytime that our kids post something, it gives me a notification, and I race to be the first person to like it, all right? Um, one, because I want them to know that I like it. Two, I just like to remind them that I see everything that they post, all right? Because if there's 100 likes in there, I could get lost in that 100, but if I'm the first like, uh, sometimes I'll even comment, first like, you know, hey, <laughs> I beat your boyfriend to this, that guy. Um, I'll tell you this story. Oscar, are we recording this? Okay, well, maybe people won't listen to this one. <clears throat> There's times that, that uh, um, this boyfriend will come home, uh, come over to our house uh, after church for, for lunch, you know, and so everybody beats me home. They, they make it home before me, and so I will come home, and people may still be eating, and, and so I'll, I'll come home, and I'll take my jacket off, and I'll make a bowl or whatever we're eating, and I'll, I'll come and sit down, and the first time that I did that, my wife was like, um, baby, you, you still have your gun on, and I was like, that's right, I do. I want him to know that I'll always have it, and I'll always be watching him. Uh, one day, my, my daughter was talking to me about relationship stuff, and so um, there at the table, I just, I took all the bullets out, you know, and uh, I reloaded everything, and she was like, Dad, what are you doing? And I was like, baby, I'm just listening to you, just, just cleaning the gun, just making sure that it's in working order, you know. She's like, why did you write his name on those bullets? And I was like, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? I didn't think you saw that. <clears throat> Uh, so, so, yeah, so, so uh, dads are authentic. There we go. Uh, Oscar, we're probably going to have to re delete this one. <clears throat> um, so, so this last one here is, just as, you, just as you know how we are extorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. 
Okay, uh, there's a couple of words that I want you to see here, um, and especially one is that uh, a dad is an encourager. Okay, that this is what we do is that we encourage, and I think of it, uh, uh, think of it as as that you are their coach. Okay, um, and you either love the Patriots or you hate the Patriots. I was explaining to my daughter uh, right after Championship Sunday that and I said, um, "Hey, the Patriots are back in the Super Bowl." I said, "I don't know what kind of conversations you get in school, but I just want you to know this information." That, around the water cooler or whatever. I said, the Patriots are back in the Super Bowl and they're playing a bird team, okay? She was like, haven't they played bird teams before? I was like, yes, but this is a different bird team. She's like, well, what about a couple years ago? I was like, it's a different bird team than that. The Patriots will always be in the Super Bowl and they'll always play a bird team. I know it's just the way that it is. I'm sure that it's not rigged. Don't worry about it. Uh, but, but coaches that you have seen the two different types of coaches. You've seen the coach, uh, even in Little League, that you think that guy should not be around kids. I mean, like he is not building them up at all. You know what I'm talking about? And if you're that person, you don't have to raise your hand. But maybe you've even seen it in Upwards, okay? If you've ever been a part of Upwards here, uh, that Upwards is like fun and friendly, uh, Christ-like. I think there's one more uh, description for it. Um, I coached my son's basketball team when he was like, I think it was fourth and fifth, fifth and sixth, something like that. And uh, um, the boys that I had, that they, they weren't great shooters, but man, they would run all day. I mean, they were like Dobermans. And, and so we full court pressed the entire game. And I mean, this is what we would do. And I, would, I mean, and I would just be yelling. I'd be like, go get it. There you go. You know, just throw that kid out of bounds. I don't care. He'll be fine. <clears throat> uh, and and so it was, I don't even remember what it was, but they, they were up, and uh, um, we were up, and, and you could feel like the game was right right there where they were, the other team was starting to come back. And so I'd call a timeout, and I called them over, and, and I'm like, guys, come on. Like, we have our foot on their neck. Let's finish them, and let's have some fun, too. Our, yay. And Jesus loves you. You know, I was like, come on, there you go. Uh, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Should take my name badge off, you know. Don't let people know I work here. Uh, so, so you've seen those coaches that that are just the terror downers. I mean, that's all that they do. There's no encouragement. There's no instruction on life. There's no instruction of how to get better. And then you've seen those coaches that that they aren't concerned so much with how they play as a player, but what's going to happen afterwards. Because most of our kids will not go on to play any kind of professional sport, but they will go on to become husbands and dads and men. All right, and so so for us that this is part of what we do is is that we are, we are we are their coach, um, and that the words that we say shape and form them uh, of who they will become. You think of your dad, the words that he said to you, and I'm sure that there are times that you can very vividly remember things that he was saying to you. Probably, probably not the most encouraging things. You can remember those points. But I also remember the times when my dad would say, nice job, because that's what I am. I'm words of affirmation. And so I could work hard, and if somebody says, hey, good job there, all of that work was worth it because that one person took notice. And that's what I needed from my dad. I needed my dad to take notice of that. Maybe that's what your kid needs is just you to put your hand on their shoulder and just say, hey, good job. I'm proud of you, whatever it is. Uh, um, that... Uh, that I want you to understand that our words have power. Um, and let me tell you this, that, that whether you knew this or not, that uh, I guess it was yesterday, 
what's today, Wednesday? Yeah, so yesterday, uh, that um, my older two, that they go to Kingwood High School, which means that they go to Summer Creek, and that there was a girl that got arrested there, you know, and so I saw it on Facebook first, I texted my daughter, and I saw it on Facebook, because I'm an old person, and I, I texted my daughter, and I was like, what is happening? She's like, oh, there's a fire alarm, this girl pulled it, and then she punched an AP, or teacher, or, and so then the police came and, and arrested her, I was like, man, that's crazy, do you know this girl? She was like, no, nah, not really. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, all right. Uh, I texted my son, and he didn't text me back because that's, that's pretty classic. Uh, um, and we talked about it when he got home. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I was texting with my kids while they're in school, and, and um, it was just, to us, it was one of those weird kind of funny moments. But yesterday also at a different school that there were two kids that got shot. And so, so there's times in, in the morning where... I'll text my kids, have a great day, I love you. Just because I want them to know, no matter how their day ends, that I love them. And whether it ends with them watching someone get arrested, or whether it ends however God has it set out for them. And I don't ever want it to be where the last thing that I say to somebody, whether it be my wife or whoever it is, that it's, a, it's that discouraging thing, but I want it to be where I can look back and I can be like, man, I mean, at least we got that one last text in. My wife is in the air right now. She's flying to South Carolina. My, her grandmother passed away, and uh, um, I have a wedding coming up, so I wasn't able to go with her. But um, right before they closed the doors, you know, that my wife texted me, and she's like, you know, uh, I'll text you when I land, but I love you. And, and we've talked about it of like, what if that's the last thing we say to each other? You know, I mean, because we're pretty morbid people. And, uh, and, and that's kind of the thing is, is that, and I text her, I'm like, I love you too. I mean, we're, we're probably the mushiest when we're getting on planes, you know, and, you know, you send a little emoji face with the kissy heart or whatever. And, and I'm like, I don't ever send that except when she's flying, I guess, you know. Uh, um, I want you to, I just want you to understand how much our words have power, and I want you to think about this, that there's someone in your family that probably, that you should text, that you should just let them know, hey, dad, I just want you to know I love you, and and, and it doesn't mean that you, it's, it's because it's Wednesday, you know, or it's a special occasion, but just that, just to let them know, maybe you have a kid that, that you're just, I should just remind them that I love them. You know, uh, so so that's that's probably the the thing for me is is that I want you to understand um, that as dads that we have a huge responsibility, and that responsibility is is for us to to one to never stop being dads, never stop trying to grow to be to be better. Um, part of it is is for us to be able to break the cycle. You broke a cycle somewhere that your dad's dad was some way, and you decided I'm going to break that cycle. But there's something that your kid has to break as well, whatever cycle that is. Uh, when I look at my wife, that, that nobody in her family ever went to college, and my wife broke that cycle. So now for our kids, you're going to college. It's a normal thing. They're going to go to college. They don't have to break that cycle. They'll have to, I guarantee you, we've given them baggage. But, you know, that they have to break a different cycle. And so that's the thing that for us as dads is we want as few cycles as possible to have to be broken. We want our kids to be able to, to have better lives than us. We want the best for our kids. Uh, and, and what I desire for you is for you to be the dad that God desires for you to be. There are 
a lot of books out there about being a dad. And uh, um, a couple of them are up here that I've, I've read that I just had in my office. The greatest, the, the last lecture, I, I don't know if you've ever read Chain Potox, The Chosen, but uh, um, probably one of the best ones that I read was Steve Jobs. Uh, and um, I took a summer and, and I read this book about three times and, and uh, Steve Jobs was a father. And that was really it, uh, that he had hit a, a kid that he didn't know that he had. And when he found out that he, he stayed the father stayed distance. And um, I'm fascinated with Steve Jobs uh, because he was a brilliant man. He, he, I mean, has changed the world, but he didn't change the world for that one person. And, and that's what I want to encourage you. And, and if there's any, any uh, advice that I can give you, especially if you have young kids, um, obviously it's, it's to read the Bible, be a godly dad. But practical advice would be to be the answer person. Uh, that your kids will ask you questions uh, um, about everything and anything. And I would encourage you to always answer their questions. Never tell them to stop asking questions because there's going to come a day where they will have questions about serious stuff. And if you tell them, if you've told them, stop asking me questions, I don't have time for this, they will go and they will ask that question to somebody else. And and I guarantee you that no matter how awkward the question is or how awkward the situation is, you want to be that person to be able to break that information to them. You want to be the gatekeeper of that information. Uh, I want to encourage you to always be the answer person. Um, if I don't know how to do something, I'll usually ask my dad. And if my dad doesn't answer the phone, then I'll YouTube it. That's the thing is, is that I want for you to always be that option before YouTube. That's my goal for you is, is always be the, the answer person for your kids. And there will be so many things that you will help be able to, to shape and guide and, and, and help them become the people that they need to be. Let me pray for us real quick. Father, I thank you for these men that you've given uh, to this church to be a part of this study tonight. Father, we pray just your blessing on them, no matter what season of life that they're in, no matter where they are as a dad, that maybe they're a grandfather, maybe that they're a pre-dad, maybe that they're a dad of young kids or old kids, but Father, that, that you will help us to be the dads that you desire for us to be. Help us to, to love our kids, help us to, to just be able to share and be the example that they need us to be. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.